Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Can you believe this? Looking to push tempo here, the Pelicans. Hold that follow through. That's right. This is what takes you to another level. What the Pell is up, everybody? This is Believe in the New Orleans Pelicans with your host, Elliot Clough, at Elliot Clough on Twitter. Before we get started, make sure you subscribe and or follow, depending on where you are listening to this podcast. And if you're on a platform that allows you to leave a rate and review, do that. It greatly helps us out. We haven't gotten one of those in a while, so uh, we know that our listens have really spiked this month as well. So if you could do that, if you're listening on Apple Podcast, especially, make sure you do it over there. That really, really helps us out. Gets a little bit more exposure for the show. And another way you can help us out is by telling your squad. So you can talk a little bit more about the Pelicans. It'd be dope if you did. So speaking of which... Those listens have spiked because of the Drew Holiday trade series that we started this month, and we'll hopefully have another one of those coming up here soon, hopefully this week, but we'll keep you posted on that. Now for today's episode, if you haven't heard, I would be quite surprised, especially with the coaching search that's going on in New Orleans at this very moment in what's been the Pelicans offseason over the last month or Two months, you know, it's it's been a hot minute, tell you that. But the news being that Doc Rivers and the Clippers have parted ways that happened yesterday after just one year with the current roster as it's constructed with Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, and the like. No Shea Gilgius Alexander, no Danilo Gallinari, those guys all sent to the Oklahoma City Thunder. Now, Doc has been with the franchise for seven years, of course. Part of those years was the Chris Paul and Blake Griffin era, along with DeAndre Jordan, Jamal Crawford, Matt Barnes, that crew that played for LA over that time frame. And then a few years in there with some kind of interesting conglomerations of NBA vets and young guys. I know last year there was, of course, Gallinari and Shea Gilgius Alexander. And then they had Tobias Harris for a little while before he was traded to Philadelphia. Bobai and Tobai, if you will, with with Boban Marjanovic, uh, of course. And then there was this year's roster with, with Kawhi, PG, Lou Williams, Montrez Harrell, Pat Beverly, all those guys. So it's, it's been kind of an interesting shakeup over the last seven years for Rivers in his tenure with the Clippers at the head coaching position. But Doc never did make a conference championship with the Clippers in his seven-year seven year time frame with LA's second team. This year, the Clippers lost to Denver after building a 3-1 lead in the second round of the NBA playoffs. Now, if you're a fan of Get Up, or and you watch that show with the other half of Mike and Mike, Mike Green, in the morning on ESPN, Adrian Wojnarowski was on the show. He's the guy who broke the news of Doc Rivers moving on and, and the Clippers moving on from, from him. But what he said on the show, it might have been this morning, I'm not positive, I saw the clip on YouTube, 
basically said that this was the reason the Clippers and Steve Ballmer moved off of him yesterday was the 3-1 come from behind victory by the Nuggets over the Clippers in that second round of the playoffs. And there's also been some talk on Twitter, not by any like sources or anything, but I mean, you got to think about it in today's league. We talked about Kevin Durant and his influence on the Steve Nash hire, but stars are also included in conversations of firing. So Kawhi might've been a bit part of this. I mean, who knows? I think in this situation, the Clippers are going to put Kawhi above Doc Rivers, despite the fact that Rivers has been there for seven years. Kawhi's the star. Kawhi's the guy who's won two NBA championships with two different franchises, the Spurs and the Raptors, of course, last year. And on top of that, we know that Paul George probably wasn't considered in the same way that Kawhi was in this situation. There was some reports that PG stood up and tried to talk to the locker room after their loss in the second round of the playoffs, and they all kind of dismissed him and rolled their eyes and moved on. So PG doesn't appear to be the leader in that locker room for the LA Clippers. So more than likely, if there was a player involved in deciding to move on from Doc, probably going to be Kawhi, despite the fact that these two, well, they wanted to move to LA, of course, Paul George being from that area. I think Kawhi's from that area too. I might be wrong there, but They wanted to move to L.A. to play together, and Doc Rivers being the head coach there was a big part of it. Must have changed over the year if if this is the case that I'm pointing out here with Kawhi being the reason that they moved on. Uh, And and we'll get to that a little bit more in a second here. Again, it's not completely, it's not reported. This is just, this is speculation. So who knows? But in today's league, you got to believe it wasn't just Steve Ballmer saying, ah, you know, we're done. Sorry. See you later, Doc. He talked to people. He talked to his players. I mean, you saw how hyped the dude was that, <laughs> that he got Paul George and, and Kawhi Leonard in that uh, in that press conference when he was like, "Wow, it's pretty freaking cool, isn't it?" Or, or what he said, "Pretty cool." Uh, so you got to think that he he consulted Kawhi and other members of the front office too. And he's a smart guy. I mean, he's a billionaire for a reason. So. Again, but but again, still speculation. Uh, we we don't really know as to how involved Kawhi and Paul George were were in the decision to move on from Doc Rivers. Now, before we get to his fit with the Pelicans, I want to address how fair it was the Clippers decided to basically solely put the blame on Doc and say, it's your fault, we're moving on. Obviously, they're probably going to do some stuff to their roster. There were some reports about that this offseason as well. Possibly an overhaul, more than likely other than Kawhi, and maybe even Paul George will get traded away. I saw some some NBA trade generator things about making him the third star in, in Brooklyn with, with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, and I don't know how that would go. That'd be interesting. But... Anyway, the question remains, is this solely Doc Rivers' fault? And I really, really don't think so. I really don't. This is a multivariate thing. There are so many different things that that go into success for an NBA franchise, and there's a ton that go into its failure as well. You can start with a head coach, sure, but I do not think Doc Rivers is just solely is solely to blame in this situation, and I don't even necessarily think that he's the guy that you go to for starting the blame. Obviously, head coach, you know, ownership. I talked about that a little bit with Louis Prejean and, and Alvin Gentry and and the medical staff and all of that. But 
what I'm getting at here, whether it starts with Doc or not, is there are other things that should have been considered before firing Doc in L.A. So number one, this, like I said in that opening, was the first year this roster had both PG and Kawhi on it. No Shea Gilgis Alexander, no Danilo Gallinari. Once again, it was not necessarily overhauled because, like I said, you still have Lou Williams, you still have Avika Zubak, you still have Montrez Harrell, you got Landry Shamit. Some of these guys who were role players before and, and were retained, and Kawhi and Paul George came in, and I mean, that's shaking things up pretty significantly. Whether or not you keep a lot of your role players around, the stars you bring in and the dynamic, how it changes with different stars is drastic and cannot be understated. So, especially with with Kawhi Leonard, who's an odd dude, and obviously we know uh, Paul George, his impact on the locker room, or lack thereof, in uh, this season. So, the, I mean... There's that. There's the complete dynamic change. The other thing is how can you expect immediate success with that dynamic change with two completely new stars on your roster? It's just not fair. I mean, some teams have done it after immediate reconstruction, the Celtics with Rivers. So maybe you maybe you uh, don't give him the benefit of the doubt in this situation because he's done it before with Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, and Ray Allen. Now, the other pieces, Heat with LeBron and D. Wade, they didn't get it done their first year. Sure, they made it to the finals in a very easy Eastern Conference, other than the Celtics at that time. And then last year's Raptors. So basically what you got is two teams that won a championship right off the bat with their new rosters. I can't think of another one off the top of my head. I mean, if you want to count the Warriors and Kevin Durant, I mean, Kevin really, I mean, he he added arguably the best player in the world to the greatest team in the world. So I don't think that's comparable at all to to the Celtics, to the Raptors this last year. So I genuinely can't think of another team that was completely reconstructed and made this jump. Okay, now the, the Lakers... And the Heat this season did that. Spoh's an incredible coach. Jimmy Butler finally found a situation that fits for him. I mean, the Lakers have LeBron James. What are you going to do? You know, so I'll give you, I'll concede the the Heat again. But this is also one of the weirdest This is probably one of the weirdest years that we've had in terms of basically since the 20th century and all of the all of the innovations that we've had in society, you know, and this is one of the weirdest years possible, let alone in sports. I mean, (laughs) there are just so many different things in terms of the bubble. They had to travel. They couldn't be around their family. Some of the players didn't go with them. I mean... This is just a weird situation. It's an outlier. Anyway, these three, four teams are outliers. Is that's, that's what I'm getting at. This doesn't happen regularly. Do these big trades and, and contracts and such happen regularly? Eh, they've happened pretty frequently since 2010-ish when LeBron moved to Miami. So these, the standard just 
almost isn't fair. Should they have won that second round? Yeah. Giving up that 3-1 lead, probably probably not a whole lot of excuses to give up on, on that end. But expecting a championship right away, although a lot of us talked about it and a lot of us had them picked as the championship winner this year, including myself, it's not super realistic and is almost not fair to Doc Rivers to say, you didn't win a championship this year, see you later. I wouldn't say it's almost not fair. I would say it is not fair. Secondly, the fact that this team played as a collective unit barely into the double digits this season, I believe it was 11 or 12 times, and I've said it before on the podcast, I'm pretty sure their entire roster stayed intact and played as a healthy collective unit 11 times this season, and I'm pretty sure they went like 11-0. Then the Clippers kind of threw them into the playoffs and expected the same thing to work out. You can probably put that a little bit on Doc for allowing the, the load management in the regular season, but at the same time, you want to keep Kawhi healthy. We weren't expecting this bubble thing to go. They, the Clippers won 7 of 8 right before the shutdown with both Paul George and Kawhi healthy. And when Kawhi's won championships before, he's done the load management thing, and you kind of let him do his own thing. This was different because they had that four-month hiatus where they could have taken some time off. You don't know what they were doing for fitness, whereas in a regularly constructed NBA season, it would have gone more close to plan. And you can't necessarily blame Doc for that. And I mean, even in the bubble, they didn't have their entire roster. Lou Williams with the strip club thing. He's a vet. Doc shouldn't have to babysit him. Montrez Harrell, his his mom passed away. Very unfortunate. I believe that was because of COVID. Um, and he came back and wasn't necessarily super fit, didn't look great in the in the bubble. And there's also been a lot of talk of his lack of playoff success. And while somewhat justified, to have the decision based on that just really doesn't make a whole lot of sense. When you factor in the fact, the West has been absolutely loaded for just a ton of time. I mean, my goodness, he had Kobe's Lakers, he had the Spurs, then the Warriors freaking dynasty, the Rockets in there, Oklahoma City. And when he was with the Celtics, he went to two finals and won one of them against Kobe's Lakers. I think that was in six games. Lost the other one in 2009 and 2010 to the Lakers in seven games. And then the Heat came along. And what do you do with that? With LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh? You just can't stop it. The Celtics got the closest, probably, to just about anyone. And, I mean, you kind of have to with Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, and Ray Allen at that point in time. But are you really going to expect them to stop arguably the greatest player of all time, probably the second greatest shooting guard of all time, and Chris Bosh, who filled the role pretty well with those two guys? I don't think so. Also... To reference it again, this year wasn't normal at fucking all. It just wasn't. There have been a ton of coaches fired this offseason or, or just decided to move on. The, the, the two parties decided to move on from each other. Some of them were justified. Jim Boylan it was a garbage head coach. That dude sucks. 
it was probably time for for the Pels to move on from Alvin Gentry. He doesn't necessarily fit this roster. The accountability stuff. I think the Pels probably would have moved on. Maybe even if they had made the playoffs this year. Nate McMillan was kind of a surprise in in Indiana, but they did get swept this year by the Heat in the first round, and I don't believe they've made it out of the first round in a while, so we probably could have seen that happen. But Billy Donovan, that was that was a bit of a surprise, and I don't think an, a, a necessary firing. This one, <laughs> given how the 76ers played for part of the season, Brett Brown might have been might have been able to stick around this year as well. So. A few of these names, I think, could have stuck around. For the most part, I think it was fair, but it was also, I think it's fair given the circumstances. So maybe these things wouldn't have happened otherwise. And I think you can throw Doc into that category. I think that had the season come to fruition like it normally would have, I mean, there's so many different things you can say. This is all speculation, obviously, but I do not think Doc Rivers deserved to be let go in LA. I think he is a top tier NBA coach and any team that goes out to get him would be smart. They'd be smart. And one of those teams that could be so smart would be your New Orleans Pelicans. So bringing him to New Orleans, to start off, David Griffin wants a guy to establish buy-in, right? And who better than Doc? Doc is known as a guy throughout the league who gets players to work hard and to play for the team, not themselves, while also establishing relationships with the individuals because he knows that's what he has to do to build chemistry with them in relationship to relationship, but to build chemistry team-wide as well. If you haven't seen the documentary, on Netflix called The Playbook. The first episode with Doc Rivers is pretty dope. Talks a little bit about the Celtics 2008 team and his coaching philosophies. I mean, watching that, not only myself as a self-improvement kind of guy took a lot from it, but also what I took from it was that I would like to play for a dude like that. And also, in terms, I mean, he just commands respect is what he does throughout players, throughout the league, from players throughout the league. He's beloved, for the most part, by former players that he's coached. And on top of that, I've been saying it, former players that become coaches get a lot more respect than former non-players do, just inherently because these guys know what it's like. They can relate to their players. I mean, there's a Bleacher Report article specifically saying that Doc Rivers is beloved by players because he gets his players. I mean, he was a leader for his team in his days in Atlanta when he played in the NBA. This guy has been building cultures. He's been foundational in building cultures not only in Boston, not only in L.A., but also in Orlando in his first stop, which we will get to here momentarily. But Doc Rivers is beloved throughout the league because not only does he demand command respect, people listen to him when he speaks. He's well-known in every room that he's in. They like his decision-making in terms of his influence on the front office. And on top of that, 
I mean, he's a good guy. He's not revered in terms like Alvin Gentry was simply for his human beingness, his his ability to listen to people and be kind to people. But Alvin Gentry was on another level. And Doc Rivers is another guy who knows the X's and O's, knows the game, knows people, and is always wanting to learn about the coaching position. And that commands respect too. People who always learn or always looking to learn do not carry bigger egos like some other people do and are willing to learn from their players, learn from their other coaches. And speaking of other coaches, in his tenure in the NBA, he's got Alvin Gentry on his staff. He had Ty Lue on his staff. He had Sam Cassell on his staff. All three either have been head coaches or Sam Cassell Gumby head coach, whether it's with the Rockets or with a younger team as well. So he's learned from some of these guys while also having them learn from him. He knows how to manage personalities. He's been around guys like Kevin Garnett, Ray Allen, Paul Pierce, Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan, JJ Redick. So, and he's got a JJ, JJ Redick's on the New Orleans roster. There you go. That's a big piece. I know they like each other. And I mean, in terms of former players that he's had and for former places that he's been that have attracted free agents, he's done that. Kawhi and PG to LA, Lou Williams to LA. Guys came to Boston because not only did they want to be a part of that team, but they wanted to play for Doc Rivers. I mean, they get the guys like the Danilo Gallinari's. They get the guys like Tobias Harris. And they more or less get them to stay around unless they want to trade them. So they get these pieces that are veterans that have been in the league to say, hey, that's Doc Rivers. I want to play for that guy. And I want to listen to that guy. And I want to learn from that guy because he's been in the league. He knows how to lead teams. New Orleans is becoming a free agent destination. Well, one, because of Zion. Two, because of Brandon Ingram. Three, maybe because of David Griffin, kind of Trajan Langdon. I mean, J.J. Reddick came here. He didn't have to come here. He could have stayed in Philly. He could have gone anywhere else that looked to contend for a title and been a shooter on that team because you can never have enough shooters on an NBA basketball team. But no, he came to New Orleans. And what Doc Rivers can do is establish New Orleans as more of a free agent destination for veterans who can come in and contribute. I've been saying it. I want Mo Harkless on this team. A lot of teams want Mo, Har Mo Harkless or Jay Crowder. If they look and say Doc Rivers is there, I can be coached by him. Hey, that's that's a reason to say, hey, I want to play for this team. And on top of that, people saying he hasn't coached a young team. He doesn't want to coach a rebuild. Well, that's where his first coaching stop was in Orlando. The first teams he coached were Fairly young. Yeah, they had some mixed-in vets, but so do the Pelicans. He coached Orlando from 1999 to 2004 with some young Magic teams, and all of those teams won 40-plus games. The last time the Pelicans won 40-plus games was 2017-2018 when they won that first-round playoff series, 2014-2015, and then prior to that, it was the Chris Paul days. 2010-2011. So of the last decade, the New Orleans franchise has had three seasons with 40-plus wins. Other than that, it's been a lot of 30s and some 20s. Even if the Pels just get there, it's an improvement! Don't get so uh, high on your high horse. 
that you think you don't want an, an NBA championship head coach, championship level head coach. He's out there and you don't want that. And I mean, I just said it, but I've been saying it about other coaches too. I mean, the Pels have two, maybe a few more down the road, probably one more down the road, stars in Brandon Ingram and Zion. And Doc is coach Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, Ray Allen, Blake Griffin, Chris Paul, who he could maybe lure back, i.e. that free agency, Kawhi, Paul George. This should make him more attractive. Tell me Zion and Brandon Ingram are not going to listen to this guy? I mean, he navigated the Donald Sterling issue with that team in L.A. You're telling me that he is not going to be fantastic in New Orleans, especially with the current climate, the current social climate. That's a big deal and cannot be underestimated. It's a small piece of head coaching, the head coaching job, really, in its entirety. But it's a big deal. He's been around, guys. He's done this. He's done it for a long time, 20-plus years. He's not a guy who's done it for 20-plus years and hasn't won a championship, i.e. Mike D'Antoni. He's not a guy who you can look at and say, well, the reason he won is specifically because of LeBron James, Ty Lue, who's probably going to take the Clippers job, so we don't have to worry about him. He's not a guy who is known as an asshole, Jason Kidd. He's not a guy who is unproven in the playoffs, Kenny Atkinson. He's not a guy who's never coached in the NBA at the head coaching position in the NBA, Jerry Stackhouse. But Stackhouse still might be my favorite. Same thing for Sam Cassell. Rivers has a lot of the things that a lot of these other guys simply do not have. And good for the Pelicans for reaching out right away. Damn good. This could be pivotal. This hiring is pivotal. And if it's Doc Rivers that they bring in, hell freaking yeah. Hell freaking yeah. Sign me up, Buttercup. Uh, done. Done deal. I'm in. Sign, sealed, delivered. I am yours, Doc Rivers. There are negative pieces, but let's, let's not focus on that. Doc Rivers needs to be the guy here. Patience is a virtue. I tweeted this yesterday. Yes, New Orleans Pelicans and David Griffin. Patience is a virtue, but now it is time to act. I don't know who else you think would be a better option, but you say, here's the dotted line. If you want to sign on it, there you go. Doc Rivers. Because Philadelphia is reaching out. I don't know how much he's interested in Philadelphia. The Rockets will probably reach out to him, as they should, but I... And the thing about that is I've talked negatively about other franchises that want to hire coaches. I did that about, you know, the the Tom Brady possibly going to the Chargers or the Buccaneers situation. And that's not necessarily my prerogative. What should be put out is what's good about the Pelicans. However, Mike D'Antoni is going to be the best fit for Philadelphia, especially if they want to keep Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons on the roster. Nobody else is going to be able to figure that out. Plus, the rest of the roster is kind of a disaster. Their cap situation is a disaster. Tobias Harris can't hit a jump shot. Matisse Thibel's a great defender. Can't hit a jump shot. Josh Richardson's not a two. They're making him a two. I mean, we just talked about this with Adam Aronson. Houston, the cap situation is also a disaster. They have one center, and it's Tyson Chandler, and the dude hasn't seen the floor since Nam. <laughs> 
You really think he wants to go in and coach Houston and James Harden and Russell Westbrook? Like, I just, James Harden's fantastic. He's a good player. But I just have, and a lot of NBA players have, the NBA fans have this resentment build up for him. And for good reason. The dude just can't win. And it just doesn't make sense. There are reasons New Orleans doesn't make sense for Doc Rivers, too. He probably wants to win now more than, you know, going into the future. This is kind of a project. But the Pels could be set up for some real, real success in the future. The West is going to be difficult. Why not go get a guy who's coached in the West before, knows how difficult it is, has coached stars, has won a championship, has been a player, is known and well-respected throughout the league. I mean, he's got all the attributes. It just would make no sense for the Pels not to go after him. Doc Rivers, my number one choice for head coach in the New Orleans Pelicans. Mark it. Not saying it's going to happen, but he is my number one choice. Pels fans, thanks so much for tuning in today. Don't forget, before this episode is over, make sure you go follow at Elliot Clough on Twitter. Go subscribe, leave a rate and review on Apple Podcasts. Do it! That really, really happens out. It helps us out. And if you're listening on a different platform, either subscribe, follow. And if you have the opportunity to leave a rate and review, do so for favor. Make sure to go check out Believe.com and any other podcasting platform that you listen to podcasts. You can check out all of our Believe affiliates. Go to thebirdrights.com. You can check out the Pelicans affiliate uh, of SB Nation. We got some articles. We, got ha- we have a article on Doc Rivers on there by Ali Cosell. Other guys write for the Bird Rights, Preston Ellis, David Grubb, Chris Connor, Kevin Berrios. All those guys have been guests here before on believe in the new orleans pelicans you can check out that right at this very moment if you would like to a lot of good stuff there also folks make sure to go follow elliot club on twitter just do it just just do it just do it do it all right once again i am elliot clough and this was believe in the new orleans pelicans Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.